This that gentleman, 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 yeah. This that gentleman, 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 gentleman. Start like twenty-three. Just that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like OB. Just that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Shoot my shot, dance This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Right around swing my trees. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Sunlight twenty three. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like OB. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Shoot my shot, dance This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Right around swing my trees. Ballin' the music like Kobe. I'm the greatest ever do it, they don't know it. Straight from the streets where the shots came blow. I came from the bottom where they hate to see you blow. Mama always told me I'm a shine, so I glow. I came from the block where I stood ten toes. Came a long way, now I'm on the top floor. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Turtles Take right here on 1252 Sports Chicago. Uh, as always, I am Andrew Tarville. Tonight, I'm joined by a very special co-host in Alan Bratcher. Hello, you guys, hello. You guys know him as our PRMR media guy, as well as the leader of the Bears fans with a brain Facebook group at over 7,000 viewers strong. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan's going to be joining us tonight, filling in for Vince. Uh, big congratulations to Vince and his fiance Melissa. As they welcomed in a beautiful baby girl this morning at about 4.30 in the morning. So late night for them. There's a first shot of many that we got with our guy Vince and his baby girl. Uh, she's doing healthy and well. Uh, Want to say a quick congrats to our guy Tyler from 1252 as well. Uh, he actually welcomed his son Aaron. Not a big fan of the name, uh. but... <laughs> nah, just kidding, Tyler. I uh, want to congratulate our guy Tyler here at 1252, Tyler DeMouse, for the birth of his son as well. So big day, two 1252 babies born yeah. on one day. What are the odds of that? Very slim. I was actually going to ask Tyler since he's he's our big uh, he's our big sports better guy. I was going to ask him, what do you think the odds of that were, that those two babies come in the same day? But like plus Happy seven for that. at least. Yeah, at least. I mean, you're making money on that bet either way. No but. kidding. <laughs> but with that being said, guys, we got a pretty big show lined up here. We do want to thank our sponsors real quick before we get into it. Uh, Nick and Ivy Brewing out in Lockport, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group, the Mark Berardi and Associates team, as well as the White Oak Farm venue. None of this is possible without our sponsors here at 1252. So, we appreciate you guys, and we appreciate you guys for joining us. Uh, we are guest-free tonight, so please be sure to be interactive in the comments. We'll take your questions and talk any topics that you want to throw in the chat. With that being said, we're going to start the show with a little bit of NBA talk. Then we'll dive into some Cubs. And as always, we have to talk Bears on this show, so we'll finish up the night talking the Bears and all things Chicago-related. So, with that being said, Alan, how are we doing tonight? I'm great, man. Absolutely love filling in here. I feel like I'm kind of like your guest. I know you see me all the time, and I'm kind of one of those like annoying little, you know, dads that 
never goes away. <laughs> I just nag you nag and hanging around, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Great day. Finally stopped raining where I'm at. I'm praying that the rain stays away because it's been a ridiculous amount of rain we've gotten here. Supposedly next 10 days, we're getting sunshine. So I'm very happy to see that. Whole bunch of rain going on out there in Wetesco. I brought that up the other day. What <laughs> I know you did. is the correct way to say that, sir. I know but, you did. But sir. yeah, how have you been, man? I haven't really got to talk to you a lot lately, though. Been doing well, man. Staying busy as always. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at work and a lot of stuff going on here in Chicago sports. So sir. definitely staying busy between the two. So I think we should go ahead and get right into it. NBA playoffs, the finals, I should say, are in full swing here. And the series, as we know, got tied up 2-2, which a lot of people were kind of anticipating that going back to Milwaukee, the Bucks would at least win one of two. Were you thinking the series would be tied at this point, Alan? Honestly, no. A um, couple reasons why. For me, first off, I didn't think Giannis had this in him. Uh, okay. he's, he has changed in these finals for me. He is finally embracing that role. See, I've I've always kind of looked at Giannis. I I know Giannis always kind of wants to be like, you know, he wants to be like Kobe. He wants to be a shooter, but he's not. I feel like he's more of a cross between, I would say, Dwight Howard and Shaq. Like he's got okay. the, he's got the defensive capabilities of a Dwight Howard and the shooting abilities of a Shaq, if you think about it, like, you know. <laughs> Free throw wise, especially, you know, he's oh more of a he's more of a free throw line in. I wouldn't even say that as much, but he's more of an inside type presence. And I feel like I feel like Budenholzer's finally, you know, beating it into his brain that he has to be this kind of player because right. whenever whenever he's standing on the perimeter shooting those threes, they're not going in. I mean, rarely I, he's under thirty percent, right. I believe. But you know, just for me, that alone has made me really convinced that this could be a very entertaining series. It has been the other side for me that I'm kind of really surprised at is this defensively, Jeff, that's where he's really made unbelievable strides in the playoffs. He's an excellent defensively. Absolutely. And stagnant they were in game three where the ball was moving quicker and freer. Rebound number 13 for eight. I'm Chris Paul. I got to figure a way to get going offensively. Drew Holiday has done a, a, an extraordinary job on him last couple of games. Holiday, one of the best defenders in the league. And Paul with an eye drama here in Milwaukee in game four. Under four minutes to play. Chris Paul on the drive. Paul kicks it back out. Pass the play. That was one great block by Giannis. Chris Paul falls down. So many just, turnovers, man. He, I believe he had five the other night, which is pretty great for him. I think he had a minus 10 rating. He came out of that game with like 10 points. Devin Booker came back to form, which he's going to have yes. to be. He had 42 points. Oh, a three from three, though. That's another thing. So if you think about that, oh, and and also Aiton, he only had, I think he had around six points, but he had like right. he had like 17 or 18 rebounds. He had quite a bit. So the fact like they have to get more out of out of Aiton, they have to get more out of these role players like Cam Johnson, you know, like those those right. type guys. But Chris Paul, if if there's you know three or four of those aren't what they are, they're right in that game. 
they only won by six. So five and 10 right there, that's, that's an extra 10 points that you're out just because of those, of that sloppy play. And for me, that's, that's the difference is the way that Chris Paul is playing right now is not the way that I'm used to seeing him. He's looking more like that 18 year vet. Yeah. I would definitely agree with what you're saying there. I mean, Again, the turnovers are sloppy, and at any level, especially at the highest level in the finals, that's not what you expect out of a guy like Chris Paul, 18-year veteran, lots of experience in this league, lots of playing time, has been a major role player on a lot of organizations throughout his career, and it's just, it's almost detrimental a little bit to his legacy. I don't want to, I don't want to press too hard, but if he ends up playing like this the rest of the season or I'm sorry, the rest of the finals and they lose the series arguably because he's not playing up to that standard that we're used to seeing out of him. That'll definitely be a little scratch on his legacy. You know, that's, this is the closest Chris balls ever gotten to winning a finals. So yeah, he I, mean, def- I would yeah. definitely like to see the guy get a ring. I mean, he's been in the league a long time, almost 20 years and, He's fought for it, overcame a lot of injuries, a lot of adversity, but you got to step it up in the moments that count, right? It's all about being able to play in the clutch. And as well as he's played early in the playoffs, we're not seeing it translate here against Milwaukee. And you could attribute a little bit of that to the defense of Milwaukee. Milwaukee does have a great defense, a lot better than any other team they faced up to this point. I mean, Giannis is just such a presence in the paint that it's hard to overcome a guy that's, you know, six foot 10 or however tall he is with a seven foot plus wingspan. That's hard to overcome no matter who you are. And Chris, Chris Paul's a little bit on the smaller side. So we got our guy Vince here saying, go sons, go. (laughs) We all feel that way, Vince. We all do. We, I mean, for me, the other side, speaking of clutch, I mean, if Chris Middleton plays this way, I don't think they're going to lose. I mean, Chris Middleton had 40 points in in that game. Giannis had 26, I believe. I think Holiday had around 13 or 14. But if you get Middleton playing on the perimeter like that, making, making those shots, they are hard to beat. I don't yeah. see them doing that going forward, though. Like – for me, the Bucks are just it's it's hard to watch them sometimes on especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like they Agreed. just don't really like I feel like obviously if we had the Nets at full tilt, we wouldn't be seeing this team here now. But just Agreed. the fact that we can, you know, like I watch these games and it's it's just painful to watch them on the offensive side of the ball because I don't feel like they really have figured out yet, you know, what what they want to be offensively. It's a wrong time to feel that way. But I mean, for me, again, you know, just their defensive presence, Giannis making those huge blocks against eight you know, just bringing that fire. I want him to bring that all game. I feel like it's always later in the game when I start seeing that entire team pick it up. I feel like in yeah. the first quarter, I, I, I think in the first quarter he left because he had to go to the bathroom. That's what they <laughs> said. Like, oh get that gosh. shit out of the way early, man. Like, I just don't feel like right. their coach, you know, I don't feel like Budenholzer really has them ready to ever do, hi, Chris, to ever really, you know, get going. And, this is something I heard on uh, Kappa J Hood today was 
do you think they would fire him at the end of the season if they don't win these finals? And it's a very intriguing question to me because, you know, with a different philosophy with that group, you might end up being better. Oh, it's absolutely absolutely a possibility. I think a lot of people have given this Bucks team a little bit more credit than they deserve. Don't get me wrong. They are in the NBA Finals. But as you said, had they played a healthy Brooklyn team, it would definitely be an entirely different outcome. We would more, we would, I would say without a doubt, be seeing Brooklyn playing the Suns right now if they had been healthy. I mean, KD was a foot on the line away from you know, single-handedly handling that series himself. So it's one of those situations where I don't think they've been coached up to their potential as a team in Milwaukee. Chris Middleton has looked great, but he's also streaky. He's a guy that's either going to give you 40 or he's going to have very minimal impact. And it just makes you question, as you said, their offensive identity. They definitely lack one. I don't think anyone can say what the offensive identity is. I mean, the short, easy answer is pass the ball to Giannis in the paint and let him do his thing for 40 points a game. That's great, but that's not the league that we play in anymore, unfortunately, either. You know, the league that we play in now is high three-point percentage shooting, although we haven't seen a lot of that as of late here in the finals. But, you know, statistically speaking, the three-point shot is a much larger part of the game than it has been in years past now and you don't have a a single guy that's really a lockdown shooter you have Middleton who's streaky at best and then Giannis why if I'm the coach I'm never letting Giannis take a shot from three ever in his life absolutely pass the ball toss it to the wing find somebody that's open even I would go as far to say a, a guy that's covering Chris Middleton and Middleton taking a contested shot is almost worth a little more than Giannis trying to take an air ball three. I mean, the guy looks like Denzel Valentine did for the Bulls out there sometime. <laughs> well, don't get, don't go that crazy. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a, a you know a guy that's going to throw up a forty foot air ball right here. I mean, you know, but you're right. I mean, I believe I think the Suns are shooting thirty percent from three, and the Bucks aren't even close. I might have those flip flopped, but I, it's, I believe you're correct. It's a different kind of finals. It's not what we're used to. It's more big man oriented with, you know, Aiton and the way Giannis plays and Brooke Lopez is starting to come out a little bit. You know, those guys are what's right. making this series interesting is their back and forth down there. You know, like I said, Giannis's big block he had the other night. He had another one where he ran all the way down, blocked another one. Those are the kind of things that are different about these finals that we normally don't see. I mean, this is probably going to be an anomaly finals where we're going to go back next year and go, wow, like this compared to what we had last year was far different. And I have a special guest for you in the back who wants to come say hello. How are you, sir? Look at this guy. What's up? How are you? Live from the hospital. I'm good, man. How you guys doing? (laughs) We're great. How's that baby? Oh, she's great. She's great. Good. Finally came at about 4.38 this morning. Awesome. Is, um, is she awake right now? She is out cold. Uh-oh. I was going to say give her a little screen time, but we'll wait till yeah, next week. she's out cold. But <laughs> You already she, put her uh, to bed, didn't you? 
Sherry put her to sleep with them takes. Yeah. <laughs> her debut here soon. Nice, he, nice. He's got to get her to bed. He knows the Cub game's coming on at 840. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you actually, I was disappointed. I thought the Milwaukee game was – the Milwaukee Suns game was tonight. It's tomorrow. Uh, nope, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yep, yep, yep. Unfortunately. I know. I'm I'm not used to that Saturday night game either. I just don't understand why I got so many days off. I can't answer that. It, it does I mean, seem I know like it, I know it's because they want the prime schedules. And uh, yeah, yeah. But damn, it's like every it's like two days in between games. I agree right. <laughs> completely. It's it's just too long to wait. It's it's kind of like when they have the Super Bowl and they drag it out. You know, a, a whole two weeks. We got to sit for a whole damn extra week and just wonder what the hell is going to happen. It shouldn't happen like that. One no. week's fine. Here should be right. Ready. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. Vince, man, congrats again. Thanks, man. We're all, we're all here happy for you and wishing for a good recovery for mom as well. How's Melissa holding up? She's doing man, all she's right. Doing, she's doing great. She uh man, it was amazing how great she did last night, did the whole thing. I mean, we got here at six thirty in the morning and uh, you know, had the baby at four thirty eight the next morning. So yeah, no. almost a hell of a day. Almost 23 hours, man. That's a, a long process. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, very different than we expected. But, you know, she, she handled it like a champ, and she's feeling better already today. So things are things are good over here, man. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. You know, I was, I was thinking about you guys, obviously, all day when you said you were going in. And then when you sent the picture, or I saw the picture early this morning, yeah. I was like, man, it's good. Glad glad baby Bella's here. Glad everything's well. And then our boy Tyler, man, he had baby Aaron came today. So two yeah. twelve fifty two babies yep. on the same day. One day. That's I what love it. That's what we were Crazy. saying. What are the, what are the odds on that? What are the odds that both of us have the baby? And they, if you think about it, and that Bella would take nineteen hours to get here. When <clears> all along they were told us it'd be like three or four hours and she'd be here. Oh God. It's got to be rough. That so. little girl kept you guys full of surprises all the way up until she all came. The way. So. And from here on out, you're going to just keep getting them, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She's going to be the surprise baby for you. This is a sign of what's the – Yeah. Just wait. A few years from now, she'll be like, Dad, can I have some money to go get this? And you're like, yep, sure, honey. Yep. She's gonna ask me. I'm gonna be like, no, and she's gonna be like, um, have you not talked to Grandma? I'm a miracle. I almost didn't make it. So, <laughs> give go. me what I want. There you go. <laughs> For sure. You go. Well, you guys have a great show, man. I just wanted to hop on really quick and say yeah. hi, Alan. I appreciate you jumping on for me. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. You go relax and you go take care of that beautiful yeah, wife of yours that went through hell. You know. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. All right, buddy. All right, Vince. We'll talk soon. See ya. Awesome. And coming in live from the hospital. Talk about some dedication. 23 hours. I could not imagine going through that. You know, that's Ugh. when I had my daughter, we were similar time frame. We were almost 24 hours, 24, 25 hours before okay. she came. So I definitely sympathize there. I mean, you start getting past 12 hours. It's a long process. Ugh. So yeah. Congrats to hospital. those guys. Glad to see that baby Bella's there and healthy. Good, good to hear that Melissa's doing well as well. Our guy Ace is saying here in the chat, dad life is the best life. Absolutely. Alan's more of a cat and dog dad, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Different strokes for different <laughs> folks. As <we laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, moving back into these playoffs here, Alan, what 
I guess the one question that I have for you is what do you think is going to be the biggest key to success for either side here? Obviously, we're at two and two, so we've got the potential of three games left if they split the next two. What do you think is going to be the biggest key to success for the Suns and for the Bucks as well? Well, for the Suns, it's obvious. It has to be Chris Paul has to play better. He has to limit those turnovers. He has to be the Chris Paul we all know and we all love. He has to go back to that, you know, it's the wording is for me, it's not, not overrunning it. Like you don't overdo it, but you're quick. Like you have to make right. quick plays. Don't get in a hurry, but I guess be fast would be the best way to say that. You know, be, just be fast, but be smart about it at the same time. Yeah, it's saying. yeah, like like you know, there's other players in the league do that. Like Harden does that really well. You know, he looks like he's slower than everybody, but at the end <laughs> of the day, he comes out and he just blazes. You know, he kills people that way. But Chris needs he needs to get back to what got them there. He needs to start playing smart again. He needs to be the leader of that team like he was. For the Bucks, it's Chris Middleton. He has to if Chris Middleton plays that way. I don't think they can beat them because you know you're going to get at least 25 to 30 from Giannis. You know that. Oh, absolutely. And if you get 40 from from Chris Middleton, that's 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 enough to put you over the edge. Obviously, Drew Holiday is going to get his here and there, but for me, Chris Middleton is a massive part of that team, and he wherever he goes is how they go. He, I would almost t- you know he's he's that Robin for them, but. At the same time, it, when you're looking for that bucket, he's he's more of a Batman because Giannis just isn't that it isn't that type of score. He's more of a dominating inside kind of guy for me, at least. That's my opinion. Okay, and I would agree. There, we do have a question here in the chat: Is this Giannis or Middleton's team? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like because Giannis hasn't really figured himself out yet completely, even though he's a two-time MVP, I don't feel like he's figured himself out yet. I still I, think he's a little overrated. I still I, think he's defensively great, and you know he can make offensive plays when he wants to inside. But whenever, whenever he figures out he's Shaq and he's not, he's not Kobe. He's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. He's he's going to be a different player in this league. He's going to be something that the rest of the league isn't used to because all it is anymore is just perimeter shooting. Right, and there's really no dominant big man. I mean, like even even Embiid is one of those guys that he's you know he shoots quite a bit from you know the free throw out. And right, comfortably. I, yeah, comfortably. I mean, and you know you've got other guys like that around the league, but nobody really like that. That's just that dominant inside presence, and that's that's what this is really going to be for him if he can get to that level. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, it's yeah. I I still think that the Suns are going to win this series. I think they're going to figure okay. it out. Um, I kind of listened to the, uh, you know, all the radio today about it. Um, the Suns coach really kind of makes it sound like it's a lot of correctable things that they can really fix. And they only lost by six. It's not like they got whooped. They horribly. didn't get blown out. They didn't get blown yeah. out like in – like in game three, I feel like they're, they're getting it figured out. You've got Devin Booker coming back to form. You've just got to get Chris Paul to be Chris Paul. 
And if you do, you know, start throwing those oop to Aiton down low. Start doing that kind of stuff. They, they, I think they'll be fine. I really do. It might just be a home game series where every home team wins back and forth, and that means the Suns win in seven, which I would not be mad right. about. No, you know, I do have to agree with you there. I do think it is still uh, the Suns series to lose by far. Uh, just reverting back quick to the question about is this Giannis Antetokounmpo's team or oh, yeah. <laughs> or is this Chris Middleton's I team? <laughs> uh, I have to say as of now, it's got to be Chris Middleton's team because when he's playing at that elite, I would say he played at an elite level the other night. 40 points yes. for any player is an elite level. So if he continues to play at that elite level consistently, then it's his team. I love what on what Giannis Antetokounmpo does on the defensive side of the ball, but here's the reality. The guy has gotten called multiple times at the free throw line for taking longer than 10 seconds to take a shot. He's a horrific free throw shooter. I mean, who comes to mind when you think of that? Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible free throw comparison. shooter, great big man on the inside. Giannis needs to realize that he is a big man on the inside. He doesn't have the shooting stroke to be taking threes. He doesn't have the shooting stroke to be taking shots behind the free throw line, and that's fine. Play to your strengths. Be who you are and embrace what you are. You're a great presence in the paint. You can drive the ball to the rim like no other. You have great defensive stopping power and blocking ability. Utilize those strengths and really play to your limits or play to your strengths and push it to your limits and you will be extremely successful in this league. And don't get me wrong, Giannis is a two-time MVP. So clearly we've seen more than streaks of that throughout his career thus far, but it's just frustrating that time and time again, he tries to revert to an awkward three-point shot or an awkward mid-range shot where it's just like, take it to the basket. That's I'm always thinking in the back of my head when I watch him on some plays, it's like, just drive. If it's not there, kick the ball out to somebody else, you know? You've got Giannis taking the ball down the court sometimes, which totally kills me. But I guess anybody anybody can be the quote-unquote point guard in today's NBA because whoever's you know facilitating, whoever's taking the ball down the court by means is the point. So I guess Giannis is the point center on 40% of the plays because yeah. he, he'll take the ball all the way down the court and then drive it to the hoop. The guy's very athletic. He's got a huge wingspan. Play to your strengths. And as a coach, that's one of the things you've heard me preach it to Matt Nagy for the Bears a million times till I'm yes, blue in the face. Play <laughs> to your players' strengths. That's what good coaches do. And that's what this Milwaukee organization needs to do in this series and moving forward to be successful. Yeah. Recognize the strengths that Giannis has. Recognize the strengths that you have in Middleton. Middleton's a great stop-and-pop shooter. You get him the ball in his spot, he'll pop it up and make the shot. Yeah. Utilize that, you know, use him more on the wing, get more kickouts to him. It's not – basketball's not rocket science. It's find an open lane, kick it to the wing. I mean, at the simplest level, take a step back three every now and then if you've got a guy like Steph Curry on your team. But, you know, at the end of the day, basketball's been around for a long time. The – the play calling and a lot of the offensive sets have been around forever. I mean, obviously one of the most successful offenses that comes to mind is the triangle offense that yeah. the Bulls ran in their prime. 
And that's still utilized to this day, maybe not in that original form, but it's still used. So it's one of those things where just play to your player's strengths and you may have a chance. Like you said, I could see this series going all the way to seven games and I would be perfectly okay with that because, you know, more, as I say with football, I'll say it with basketball too. More basketball is a good thing. So if this, if this series series goes seven games, excuse me, that's, that's fine with me. And I'll be happy to sit and watch every single one of them. But with that being said, I do want to kind of switch gears here, but before we do that, Let's go take go ahead and take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors, Nick and Ivy Brewing, out in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. All right, guys, and again, that was a quick word from our sponsor, Nick and Ivy Brewing, out in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois. If you have a chance and you're in the area, be sure to stop out and see Paul and his team. They're the best. They've got some delicious beers. I know Alan's still trying to boycott getting that cookie dough stout back on tap. It won't happen. I talked to him. He's not going to do it for me. He said maybe winter time if he did. but I was going to say, maybe when it gets a little colder <sighs> out, we'll start seeing, you know, Stouts tend to be a little more popular in the winter time, winter months. So we'll see. But I believe they still have some Fat Mike Chicago Lager available. So they do, which which I still haven't got to try yet. I know I need I need to make my way out there and grab a couple four packs myself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely stop out and see Paul and his guys if you're in the area. They're the best. I do want to move on to some Cubs talk here, Alan. So obviously the Cubs made a. I don't want to say a splash move because it wasn't anything super exciting the other day by any means, but the Cubs moved on from Jock Peterson. First of all, before we get into the trade, I just want to say, to me, I don't understand the logic behind this at all. So you go and get rid of Kyle Schwarber, who's having a decent year. Don't get me wrong. He wouldn't be playing as well as he is now if he was still on the Cubs. I am adamant about that. But you move on from a guy like Kyle Schwarber, you go get Jock Peterson, who in my opinion is almost essentially the same guy, and now you move on from him. He's the first piece that you sell, and obviously we know the Cubs are in the seller's market now, eight games back. Although, one interesting fact to bring up to the guests or to the audience is that the Cubs, six of their next ten games are against the Diamondbacks. So the Cubs could potentially come out of this next streak eight of 10 or something like that. You know, if they pull a couple out against St. Louis and there's no reason that they can't sweep the diamondbacks twice. I mean, even 
as atrocious as the bullpen's been lately, I mean, come on, it's the Diamondbacks. They've only won 25, 26 <laughs> games so far this year. Yeah, they're, so, they're a mess. They are they're a mess. mess. And, I mean, we're, we're a mess here in Chicago, at least on our side of town. The Sox aren't a mess, but uh, Chris is saying here in the chat he's surprised that Jock went first. I'm absolutely surprised by this move as well. I want to know your thoughts, Alan. Are you surprised by the jock move? Or rather, are, are you surprised that it's the first move the team made? I'm surprised it's the first move the team made. I mean, I guess maybe you have this kind of as an opener. Like, the thing about it for me is that the Braves need a closer. And right. I, I thought for sure that that would be a place where they would really want to go, you know, because there's – not a lot of not a lot of good minor league systems like the Braves have, you know. Um, the guy they got, which we will kind of talk about a, a little bit more later, you know, he's number twelve on their prospect list, but they have a massive, massive minor league system. So yeah, I've heard I've heard people rave about this kid. Um, I'm just surprised that it was this move first and not made maybe like a package for like Kimbrel. Or some yes one of one of these relievers we have. I was just really shocked that Jock, out of all the people, was the one to go. Just as like you said, that they they switched him for Schwarber, and now they're just selling him too for seven million or whatever he was due. It's right. It's, it raises some eyebrows <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, it's 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 one of those things where I feel like in this offseason was a little different from most because the owners just didn't really know what they were getting back and how much money they were getting back. So they didn't know if they should buy or not because of everything else they built around there. You know, they bought all the bars, they upgraded the minor league systems. They did these things in anticipation of Wrigley Field being packed every day. And when the pandemic hits and you can't do that, you're losing money hand over foot, you know, and it's one of those things now where they're, they're starting to see that light and they know that they're sellers now. Thank God they know that they're sellers now, because just like (laughs) you said, I was very nervous about them, them coming on the road or playing at home against the Diamondbacks and them, you know, jumping back to two games out and then them go, whoa, wait, wait a minute. We Wait a minute, we might have something here. When, no, you don't. Realistically, you don't because they don't have enough starting pitching, which we know why. But, you know, Jock being that first piece, I'm happy that it's finally happening. The ball's rolling. As much as it's sad for us to see this team finally get dismantled, at the same time for me, it's I'm happy that they're doing it this way instead of just letting them all ride off and not get anything for them, you know, because remember back whenever the Ricketts bought the team, they had, you know, Alfonso Soriano, they traded him off, you know, Ryan Dempster, they got rid of these guys. Right. Right. And everybody was just up in arms about it. I had a friend who was losing his mind over the Dempster trade. And I told him, I'm like, look what they got back. Like, look at these pieces. He's like, you know, another trade. He's like, well, who's this Javi Baez kid we got? I'm like, just wait. Just see what happens with him. And look what happened, you know. We finally won that World Series. We we, we finally went over that hump. But, you know, 
let's see what happens going forward. You know, yeah, you know, I fully anticipate that though. Yeah. You know, one thing you, you just brought up the world series there. One thing that I find interesting is in baseball more than any other sport, sustainability at that highest level is really so difficult and it's so rare and alluded for that, you know, even you look at the Cubs team when they won the world series, the following year, what happened? Get bounced in the playoffs. Knocked out. And, you know, obviously that's been the story ever since that world series run is, you know, the banger bust mentality. We're either going to hit a home run or we're going to strike out swinging for the fences. And I've said it many times, a guy like Javi Baez, to me, I love Javi Baez as a defensive player, but I'm not paying the guy, you know, upwards of 200 million in a contract to go out there and, and swing at a, at a 69, 70 mile an hour curveball That's (laughs) two foot outside the plate. I'm not doing it. I don't care how great of a defender you are. I can find someone that's an average at best defender that'll hit north of 250 consistently for less than that amount of money. So, you know, as you said, it is, it is a little odd that Jack Peterson was the first move, but we did get a first base prospect in Bryce ball from Atlanta, which obviously we know Riz is obviously getting older. We don't know if he's going to be here next year. Now I believe ball's only 21 or 22 years old. So yes. 22 so he's still very young obviously i don't think we'll see him uh through the remainder of this season maybe we will who knows it depends on how much of a fire sale this cubs team goes on really i mean if we start moving every piece that we can move it might be time to bring the minor guys up let them get some playing time in the mlb and see where they're at kind of gauge them from there but it's it's hard to say i know uh in this in this current season ball hasn't been performing quite as well but in past years he's hit you know north of 300 and things like that so before we get into too much of his stats and stuff i know you had a quick little highlight you wanted to play i do so go ahead and let's all meet mr bryce ball That's Mr. Bryce Ball. He looks pretty impressive. He's got some, you know, really good hitting ability in there. What do you think? What do you think he's batting this year? Oh, and also, by the way, he's in advantage A ball right now. So he's not up the double A as of yet. Okay. Good point to bring up. What do you think his his batting average is? Just offhand. He's been batting over 300 since he's been in college, mind you. That's, that's, one year of college, I, or 
one or two, and then he's got a couple years in a ball. You know, I know it's not been as good as it has in years past. I'm going to say right around uh, 285. He's batting 207 right now Ooh. with a 354 on base, 750 OPS, six home runs, 30 RBIs, 40 walks, and 59 strikeouts in 53 games. So he has more Ooh. strikeouts than he has games played. Obviously, That's a little concerning. Yeah. So obviously last year, you know, with the pandemic, they didn't play as much. I get that. Right, and right. from what I hear, that minor league system down there is the best of the best around. That 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 whole division is very, very good. So okay. a lot of people still think he is going to be a very good baseball player. We'll see going forward. But, you know, the steady decline, uh, you know, from regular A to advantage A kind of has me worried a little bit. But maybe he's just in a funk. He is only 22. Possibly. We could definitely see that growth. But let's just hope going forward that he's not brought up because I I think there's other first basemen in front of him that will definitely impact better in the major leagues. You know, Understood. Right now, today. Yeah, so, see, I, I thought he was actually in double A no. and on the cusp to triple when I when I made yeah. that former statement. So I'm glad <laughs> you brought up that he's only in advantage A. That's why I kind of had to stop. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, like, hold under, phone, understood. Buddy. Yeah, well, but anyway, so who do you think they will be selling next as, as it pertains to this Cubs team and what we have in front of us right now. Who do you uh, think is that next piece? I'm going to say it. And well, I've got two here. So first and foremost, are you packaging players in one deal or are you? Are no, you saying, I'm, I'm just, I've got two guys I want to bring oh, okay. up here in discussion. Okay. okay. And they, they possibly could be a package deal, but more than likely, I think, it's either going to come down to Craig Kimbrell or Chris Bryant. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a little bit on both. So Craig Kimbrell, obviously we saw the Cubs do it when they went out and rented a Drollis Chapman for the end of the world series run there. Yeah. Uh, they actually gave away a significant piece to get Chapman on the Cubs, even just as a rental deal. So I'm thinking, you know, a team you brought up, Atlanta, for instance, a team that really needs a guy that's, well, Atlanta needs a lot of bullpen help, not just yeah, a closer, they but they do need a closer. You know, you get a team out there like Atlanta, if they start to go on a little bit of a run here over the next few games, they start to think that they're contenders. They go out and they trade us a key piece for uh, Craig Kimbrell. And, you know, I would be – I know he's hurt right now, obviously, but I would be okay with trading Craig Kimbrell for a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. I I really oh. like, I really love him, and don't get me wrong, that's that would obviously be heavily favored in the Cubs' direction. But the guy's hurt right now, so his trade stock drops. Maybe that's a possibility. You know, something like that. It that might be a little far fetched, but you know, you can get a solid quality player for a guy like Craig Kimbrell especially with the way that he's performed this year. And then, you know, transitioning to the other player that I mentioned, as much as Cubs fans don't want to see it, and a lot of guys want to see this man stick around, 
Chris Bryant is not going to be a Chicago Cub next season. I, In my opinion, I don't see any feasible way that they can pay him the money that he's going to demand in the open market, and they're not going to get a deal done before the end of the season, in my opinion. If they were going to get a deal done with Chris Bryant, they would have at least been in negotiations, and I get it. A lot of guys don't like to talk while the season's on. They just want to focus on playing baseball, but if you were serious about retaining a guy like Chris Bryant, you would have done everything you could and given him the most realistic offer. And maybe they have, maybe they're just so far away from each other that they stop talking because they know nothing's possible. If that's the case, if you know, Chris Bryant's not going to be a part of this team next season, which in my opinion, he's not, you have to look to start selling him now. I mean, that's a guy that's shown a lot of versatility You've seen him play first, third, at least two of three outfield positions, and he's played pretty well all over. Every Everywhere the Cubs have put him this year, he's been dynamic. He's played pretty well. The bat's gone cold as it has kind of in years past for him. I mean, don't get me wrong. He started out playing a really strong season this year. His batting average was over 300 at one point, but, you know, here we are in July Things start to levelize a little bit, get a little bit more normal. We start to see, I guess, we start to see real baseball in July. I hate to say that. That's kind of corny. But, you know, the first couple seasons, guys are always getting into their groove. And for better or worse, this Cubs team was great early on and has taken the downward spiral, as you know, since really since that Dodgers no-hitter game. And that was three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. It's been a while. So, you know, the Cubs, obviously, after that no-hitter, went on to lose 10 in a row. The Dodgers, on the other hand, went on to win 10 in a row. So good (laughs) luck for them, bad luck for the Cubs. And I don't know. It just seems to me that I I do want to talk about this bullpen a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts on who the next selling piece is before I do that. So who do you think is going to be the next piece that's sold out of Chicago? Well, you've basically taken the wind out of my sails, <laughs> Mr. Tarbill. Um, it, I definitely think it, it's going to be Craig Kimbrell. I 100% okay. agree with that um, because that market for a closer of that kind of dominance is just like an Araldis Chapman back in 2016. We can get right. primary pieces back for a guy like that. It And just as you also stated, Chris Bryant plays multiple positions. He's he's the other name. I honestly don't know if they're going to get rid of Baez and Rizzo. I don't know if they can. But I know that they can definitely get a significant amount back if they package them both to the same team, that would be even better. But for me, it's got to be Craig Kimbrell. He has to go as soon as possible to the best suitor you can get. I've heard a lot of people talk about Javi going maybe to the north side. I don't I don't really see that. I don't think he fits what they no. do. He's more of a swing for the fence guy. They're more of a small ball type team. I don't see that happening. But what I do see is someone like Craig Kimbrell. I was thinking maybe go to the Braves. I don't think you're gonna get Acuna. That's a that's a massive haul, Andrew. I would I'd say it, it that is. you're gonna get a, a couple of the top prospects in in their you know system, which I'm I, I'm not really familiar with them, but I I know that you're gonna get a good one because the Braves always have a good minor league system. So yeah. I would say that 
you know, it's got to be Kimbrell first. Bryant is a close second just because of the value you can get for both. Do you see them going as a package deal potentially? Do you I think mean, that's an option? I would love that because that just means more prospects. Right. All it is really is, you know, that front office finding the best deals they can for what they have in front of them. You know, maybe packaging them is the best deal. You can get more out of one farm system. Maybe not. Maybe you're looking at a perennial playoff team that wants that extra bump and wants to, you know, have that dominant closer. Then you might not get a strong amount back. But I would say, I mean, if you can do it, you know, but make sure that it's the right fit and make sure it's the right and that makes sense. I mean, yeah. realistically, I want to, I kind of want to go back to what you said about uh, Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo. You said you don't yeah. know if they can move on from them. I just don't, I don't know if they're going to get back anything significant for them. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of prospect, you know, for a guy like Anthony Rizzo who's got a bad back. You know, he's okay, he's getting up in age. You know, Javi Baez, you could maybe get, you know, a minor leaguer, but it's not going to be anything significant is what I'm saying. Understood. And I do agree with you on that. I don't, especially Rizzo, I think he's a guy that's historically taken hometown friendly deals. He loves being on the Cubs. He's been very vocal that he would love to retire as a Cub, you know, over the years. And again, he's got back issues. He hasn't been the most consistent over the last couple of years, so you're probably not going to get a lot for a guy like Riz. For that reason and for the impact that he makes on the team and in the locker room, I would almost keep him around. <clears throat> excuse me. I would almost keep him around just because you more than likely can get him to take that team-friendly deal. Yeah. A guy like Baez is interesting. I think if you have a team that is – on the cusp and really needs a guy that can play great defense, they might give a little bit more for him. But at the same time, a lot of teams that are right there have decent shortstops. And at that shortstop position, you expect a guy that can produce offensively a little bit. That can get on base. At the very least. That can can get on base base even. And that's his problem. He just does not, he, he cannot figure out how to, you know, for bitches that, I mean, I for him. The curves and the sliders get him horribly. Yeah, 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 definitely. The the guy looks like, I I really hate to use this analogy, but the guy looks like he's almost golfing sometimes. I mean, he's just swinging fully through, you know, uh, a 70-mile-an-hour ball that he was never going to be able to hit anyway. (laughs) The changes get him, the curves, the sliders get him. It's... And that's the way Javi's been really since 2017. You know, he's sure his batting average has been better than it is now, but he's always been a guy that's banger bust. And again, that that mentality worked for the Cubs in 2016 because they were hitting more balls out of the park. They were getting on base a little bit more on doubles. And, you know, you didn't really ever, you've never really seen this Cubs team hit a lot of singles. If they did, it was by it was by luck that, you know, the ball went into accident. play or things like that. It was by accident. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't because they were trying to hit a single. And that drives right back to the point that you said about him moving to the other side of town. 
one, you have a guy at the shortstop position over there for the Sox currently who was just in the all-star game. So you got to hold a little bit of credit to that. You can't, I don't see them benching any player on the Sox roster for no, a guy but, like Javi Baez. But there's an idea behind that, Andrew, is that you are going to keep Tim Anderson there, but you're going to move Javi over to second. Uh, that's, I don't know. That's, that's what I keep hearing is that okay. if, if indeed it happens, that's what they want. They want him to absolutely play second base. And I've also heard Trevor's story. Very good shortstop would also be open to moving over for second base if he's playing for a winner, like the White Sox. So you know, okay, that's what they'd have to do because Tim Anderson is, isn't moving anywhere, and there's no reason to move Tim Anderson anywhere. And and that was kind of my thought. That's what I was alluding to is Tim Anderson. You can't ask that guy to move out of shortstop, no. and I don't think you would get the same electric defensive play that you get out of Javi at second playing second as his primary position. I just feel that, you know, he's so great at shortstop because he can turn the, he can turn and flip the ball for those crazy double plays and things like that. Yeah. But it's as much as a shortstop can play second, I feel like it would limit Javi's defensive ability a little bit. And then what, you're going to have a guy at second that's hitting, you know, south of 250. I I don't see it happening. I think Javi Baez is probably one of the moves that we won't make because we can't, as you kind of alluded to, but it's it doesn't make sense really to pay him either. So we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here as a Cubs organization. What can they do, really? They offer him some money if he decides to stay great. If not, you you almost I would say you almost let Javi walk if he wants too much money to retain him here in Chicago. With that being said, I mean, this Cubs team, as I said, has been in the downward spiral. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the next few weeks. We have until the end of the month to find out what's going to happen and see <clears throat> see what other moves they're going to make. I think. We're in for an interesting uh, – we got, what, two weeks left here in the month? I think yep. we're in for an interesting two weeks, and I'm I'm excited to see what this team does. I hope they don't try to catch fire and pick up some pieces after they beat the Diamondbacks six times. Sit everybody. <laughs> don't play anybody. Please, I mean, Mr. realistically, <laughs> Yeah, realistically, don't try to catch fire and think you have lightning in the bottle when you don't. Before we move on, I do want to touch on the Cubs' bullpen real quick. Okay. And that's solely because we we all knew what this bullpen was going to be at the beginning of the season, or we thought we did. Yes. We thought they were going to be, you know, mediocre average at best, and then the bullpen somehow caught lightning in a bottle for, you know, what, eight to ten weeks and looked really solid. Yeah. And now this bullpen is looking absolutely atrocious. So now seeing Jake Arietta hit, you know, over a <clears throat> have over a 6.0 ERA. What are your thoughts about Arietta being on this team, and what do you do with him? Uh, it's the same thought I had at the beginning of the season when they signed him. I don't understand why. I I didn't like the move then. Um, it was more of a you know, 
high school reunion kind of thing. Like, oh, right. look, the old, you know, Ace is coming back. And I just don't – I don't think he needs to be here. I think they might try to give him one more start outside of the All-Star break. But I okay. don't really see him, you know, going forward finishing the season even. If there's obviously something wrong. I know he's, he's getting up there. But injury-wise, I feel like there's definitely something wrong with him. And it's, yes. you know, it's definitely time. Unless you want to keep losing, you could throw <laughs> him out there just so you could keep losing. I mean <laughs> – I'm okay with that. You know, throw him out there. Let him let him give up six runs in the first inning. Let's get that good draft <laughs> pick, you know. But, you know, it's sad because this is something in sports that happens to everybody. It And, you know, Father Time always wins every battle at the end of the day. He's undefeated. He always will be. Absolutely. Except with Tom Brady. I feel like Tom Brady's going to figure out how to – you know, break that cycle. He's probably going to go to his 70, but anyway, I'm oh, just geez. saying, but no, but, uh, <laughs> it's but, the avocado toast. That's yeah. Longevity. <laughs> yeah. For but, all of our listeners, eat avocado, toast. <laughs> eat so avocado eat forever, everything avocado, but no, like, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's time, you know, he needs to hang it up. He needs to, yep. you know, it's really time to just put him to pasture, move on, see what we have coming up next, trade these guys off. Let's get the next regime in here because it's it hasn't been a pretty year. Um, everyone's making these adjustments now for what the Cubs have done, and you're seeing the result of that. And it is yes. what it is, you know. There's really nothing else to say besides that. It's it is what it is with me. It's it's the same thing I said from the beginning of the year. It's time. So follow-up question on the bullpen before we move on to our next topic. Spider tech. How much of that do you believe was being used in the Cubs bullpen? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have an answer. I mean, you can give me obviously the Jake Arrieta was because that's, that's one in particular that I didn't even think about it until you just said that. But – after they came out with that, Arietta has been atrociously bad. So I'm going to put him number one on that list. <laughs> okay. I definitely will. Um, I would say Kimbrell, probably. Um, other than that, I don't really know. I, I mean, Andrew Chafin just literally pitches off of his mustache. Like, <laughs> the he, majesty of that mustache just makes him a good pitcher. So, like, he, 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 he just intimidates people with that amazing mustache. But the rest of the guys, I really can't tell you because I really don't know <laughs> the answer to that. I would say maybe half because yeah, from what I know, hear, it's, it's about like that. But no one's ever yeah. going to admit it. Right, unless you're Garrett Cole. I mean, yeah, but, Garrett Cole. Uh, 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 I don't, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, uh, it's a yes or no question. What do you mean you don't know how to answer that? <laughs> I don't at, know at because I don't want to lie. No, because I, well, I get it. I understand you want to be admirable. You don't want to lie, but you just make yourself look like a pompous ass, in my opinion. When yeah, but what happens whenever, whenever he comes out? And he and he says he didn't, and then they find out he did somehow, and then he looks well, like an even bigger asshole. So well, it, it's just it's like steroids, question. right? It's just yeah, like it steroids. Is. Nobody's yeah. gonna say, you know, McGuire and Sosa and Bonds weren't out there saying, yeah, we're juicing up before the games, <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah, they're injecting we, each other, you know. We sure as hell know after the fact that they were. So <laughs> it, the spider tech thing for me is interesting. I I more asked that as a joking question because yeah. we were talking about it. You got me but, on that. I, but I it, didn't in all that reality, <laughs> in all reality, I think that I'm a fan of good baseball and I do understand that, you know, they want to regulate and keep the playing field fair. And obviously batting averages have gone up a little bit, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's been, if it's not spider tech, if it's not steroids, if it's not, I mean, it's going to be something. Yeah. Fat Mike had one of the guys from the seventies on, and he was talking about how they were doing all sorts of drugs in the locker room. You know, it's, it's always going to be something to gain that competitive edge. And I think yeah. baseball finally had enough of the spider tech and that's fine. Move on. Let's, you know, develop a way for players to be safe with the ball. And yeah. that, you know, that's the biggest concern at the end of the day is you don't want guys throwing wild pitches, but the science would actually argue against uh, the spider tech when it came to that as well and say that, you know, there were, there were more freak pitches, more players hit, et cetera, with the use of it than without of it, without yeah. it. So interesting, not as hot of a topic for the Cubs because obviously Kyle, I don't good. think Kyle Hendricks is out there using spider tech. And if he is, he needs no. to put a little more on, but <laughs> exactly. But it's it's one of those things that as you said, it's time. It's time to move on. It's time to build some pieces. Get a get a good young farm system in development. I'm okay with watching this Cubs team develop for a couple of years, as I think most Cub fans are, if we know that it's going to lead to something sustainable and successful. Yeah. And that's the key. Right now, we don't have a lot of pieces in our farm system that scream, bring me up, or if we did, they'd be here right now at this point. Well, we've so, already brought up Patrick Wisdom, and look how that went. Yeah, you know, I liked Wisdom when he first came up, and I, I get it. The guy's been rocky at best, but you you give a kid a chance, let especially in a season like this, let him ride it out and let him develop. What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's this team has nothing to lose. They have well, I shouldn't say they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to win at this point. I'll put it that way. They could lose a draft pick. That's what they're losing. They could lose a draft pick, yes. That's about it for me. That's about it. Now, real quick, before we move on, I do want to get into some Bears talk here before we wrap the show up. Yes. Let's go ahead and take a quick word from another one of our sponsors here, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, 
We truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. All right, guys. Again, that was a quick word from the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. Expect better. Expect the <laughs> team. Expect it all. I'm, I'm just going to let you do the commercials from now on, Tarbo, because you you know them all to a T. I mean, you might as well Absolutely. just do them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just start reading them off of a white card at this point now. But again, reach out to John and his team if you're looking to buy a home in the area. They will definitely hook you up. That's who our guy Fat Mike's going to be buying his next home with. So be sure to reach out to him and his team if you're looking to buy, sell, or refinance a home in the area. Uh, with that being said, I want to move to the final portion of the show here with some Bears talk. We always have to talk about Bears on Friday here on Turtle's Take. It's one of my favorite topics. As you know, <clears throat> football is the sport that I am the most passionate it's my about. Favorite. And it's your favorite as well, Mr. As Bears fan tell. with the brain. So, as you can tell behind me. <laughs> yes. He's even got the Miller Lite in the background, and I've never seen you drink a Miller Lite. I don't Lite. even like Miller Lite. I just like the poster. <laughs> but they are the official beer sponsor of the Bears for whatever reason. Yeah, whatever. Whoever made that deal should Chicago, be shot. Chicago Bears hit up our guy Paul over at Nick and Ivy Brewing. That'd be nice. That would I'd be, be okay nice. with that. I would love to be able to get a Nick and Ivy Brew at a game. But anyways, moving into some Bears talk. So – Obviously, we're, what, nine weeks away from seeing some players on the field? So, roughly. roughly. And as it may be, I have to say for the first time in a long time, I am excited as a Bears fan, and I don't want to say – I shouldn't say for the first time in a long time. For the first time since, let's say – 2018 week one of the playoffs, I am excited <laughs> to be a Bears fan. <laughs> I hope my hopes and dreams got shattered with that double doink live Ugh. at Soldier Field. No. I was, I was freezing my ass off trying to keep myself warm and then see that atrocious ending to a game. Ugh. I'll yeah, never forget I, it. We will never forget that as long as we live as Bears fans. But we're on to the positive now. Obviously. The biggest talk in town is Justin Fields. Everybody wants to know when he's going to see the field. When will Fields be on the field? No pun intended. But with that being said, uh, we have a lot we can talk about about the Bears, but I'm going to let you lead this off, Alan. What's one thing about this Bears team that you're excited to see moving, moving into the preseason other than Justin Fields? I've got a couple, and my first one – is this? Look at that beautiful visor, dude is Absolutely. rocking the visor very well. I must say, Absolutely. I'm, I'm more of the kind of guy that doesn't like the visor <laughs> for them <laughs> because I I don't know how it really like benefits you with your vision and all that. But he looks fucking dope in it. I'll say that, you know. But um, but. 
we all thought Nick Foles looked badass on the yeah. sideline when he was standing it's there. It's a little different with him, though. Like, it is. Like, like, Fields gives you that Mike Vick-type feel whenever you see him, like, running down the sideline with it on. Oh, like, absolutely. It's a little different with me. Like, that's like it's like comparing Michael Jordan wearing one to – like someone's grandma wearing one. like it's it's totally two different things you know no absolutely yeah but so i'm actually gonna start somewhere else first i just wanted to show how awesome that that visor was badass but okay. where i'm gonna start is is right here so for those of you that don't know that's Eddie Goldman, and that's a thousand pounds on a rack he's pushing. So he looks like he's about ready and informed for camp, which is a major, major, major big deal for me because yes, that man from the day he was drafted, I have thought he has been underrated for this defense. He holds that defense down, he holds that middle down. He's going to drastically make them better. By far the biggest defensive move probably besides Jalen Johnson moving over from the number two corner to number one for me is Eddie Goldman coming back. So for me on the, the defensive side of the ball, it's obviously Eddie Goldman on the I, offensive side. Oh no, sorry. Oh no, sorry. I just wanted to elaborate on that real yeah, quick. You absolutely. know, Eddie Goldman as you said, has been such an underrated and key pivotal piece to this defense. And we saw how bad it hurt to not have him there last year. It It's one of those things that you you don't forget how good a player is until they're gone. Yeah, And that was exactly what we saw with Goldman, obviously uh, choosing to be out last season because of pro- COVID protocols and you know he wanted to protect his family, this and that. Whatever reason he chose to opt out, he did. We're past that. We're going into a full season again, you know, full off season, full preseason, full, well, more than full regular season because we get to see another game. Whoop de doo. But <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah. But with, <laughs> you know, with that being said, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, what a thousand pounds looks like. I saw that video, you shared it, and I'm like, that's a thousand pounds that he's pushing yeah. right there. That is. He looks like he's getting into shape. He looks like he's doing all the right things that he needs to do to be ready. And hopefully he's hungry when he comes out. Now, with that being said, it'll be seen here, obviously, in camp. And then as we get into preseason, maybe he'll see some reps, not much, obviously. None of our number one guys are going to see a lot of reps. Uh, Uh, Hold on to that thought, Tarbell. Because well, historically they haven't, I should say. I wish I would have pulled I wish I would have pulled that video because I heard an interview with Matt Nagy that said he was going to focus on the on the number ones more this preseason than he ever has because of the fact oh. that, you know, a couple years ago he didn't do that. And we saw what happened when he sat Mitch for far too long. Voldemort <laughs> yes. as I call him. Um you know, he sat him far too long, and we saw how that really messed him up in the season. He didn't have – I mean, he still doesn't, so it, it honestly didn't matter. But right. in, in my mind, the more time he had in the offseason to prepare, the better he probably would have been that season. And then last year, you don't have those preseason games. 
So right. he he came out saying that he will he wants to focus more on that this this offseason. So you're going to be seeing those number ones a lot more. I mean, maybe not the defensive as much because they're already kind of proven. Right. But but you've also got Sean Desai's new defense coming in. So they're probably going to want to get them out there, you know, have those set formations, you know, learn the language a little bit more on field. So they'll be able to play better when the regular season comes. For me, it's definitely that offense is going to be the one that needs to be on the field a whole lot because you've got a whole lot of new wide receivers. You've got a new running back back there. You know, you've got potentially a new quarterback, but I potentially, but I again am getting way off base because all I really wanted to tell you there was Matt Nagy is going, he says he's going to play that offense you know, and possibly that defense a lot more this preseason. So Matt you Nagy, can continue now. <laughs> Matt Nagy also says he's going to run the ball more. And <laughs> then did, runs tight said, end sweep on fucking third and one, Alan. He, he, said, he said he wanted to have David Montgomery come out and run 20 times a game. And that's something I talked about with Angelo the other day. I was like, the first time they're down by 10, I don't think he's running the ball. <laughs> no. Because he, he just got all those wide receivers. He, he wants to use them. Yeah, and obviously the Kansas City-style offense, we all know it. That's what we often hear Matt Nagy allude to as well. When I was in Kansas City, this is what we did in Kansas City. First and foremost, this isn't Kansas City. The city of Chicago is known for running the football and running the football well. You had a game one at one point last season, you had a game <laughs> where you ran the ball seven times. You should be ashamed of yourself, Matt Nagy. And I didn't I come here to more, run the I eye. want to see the ball be ran more in 2021. That's all I'm saying there. That was my little tangent. That was my rant for the <laughs> evening. <laughs> I knew I could get you on one. <laughs> no, but okay. So, so kind of back to that question, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the people I'm really interested in is one would have to be Cole Komet. You know, it's something that I just alluded to the other day when I was on with Angelo. If you saw him at that tight end camp, he looked like he was ready to fucking go. And I hope he is. I think he's taking a massive leap. You know, we kind of saw at the end, the later half of last season, he kind of started to get, you know, really integrated in this offense. He started to see the ball more. He started getting touchdowns. Jimmy Graham was more of a red zone, short yardage type guy. And you could see, you know, some bombs downfield to Cole Komet a little bit here and there, which I didn't even know he had. But I'd I'd say for me, number one is probably Cole Komet. Number two, number two would be Mooney, obviously because we all know how good he looked last year. And now that he's going to have somebody that has deep ball accuracy, he could possibly take that next step and really become a deep threat in this league and open the game up a lot more for everybody else. And third is David Montgomery. You know, he's, he's ready for that step. I think he's going to have probably if Nagy lets him (laughs) big, if, 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 if Nagy lets him, I put him number one on that list. But I don't know what Nagy's going to let him do. If he gets to carry the ball 20 times a game and he gets to, you know, run out of the backfield a little bit on, 
you know, like pass opportunities. I can definitely see that move. But like I said, who knows with that? So for me, those are the three that I'm really intrigued with going in camp. Okay. One thing I, I would like to add to that is we drafted two very good offensive linemen this yeah. year. And you did not mention the offensive line once. So I'm going to because give Because I figured the, you were going to do that. I so. am going to give them the credit that they deserve. I wanted to go on the glitz and the glamour side. I was going to let you have the fat boys up front. And that's that's <laughs> fine. As a former offensive lineman, I have a little bit more respect for those You were guys. an offensive lineman, really? I was. I was a center. Okay. True story. Nice. Uh, with that being said, I – I'm a big fan of obviously Tevin Jenkins, but I really like what Larry Borum has as well. I mean, he's obviously got some developmental room. He's yeah. more, he's not a guy like Tevin Jenkins that's going to come in and necessarily be a day one plug and play starter. But I do think Larry Borum could be successful on this offensive line. And I, I really want to see what he does here in camp and, as well, he's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason, whether it's at a one or two, whether it's with the ones or twos, we're going to see him in the preseason. And I might actually go to a preseason game for the first time in years oh, nice. this season just, just to go see him and see the line play up close and personal because I'm really interested with what this offensive line does. I You did touch on Darnell Mooney. I do want to say with him, I think it's going to be key for him to have an expansive and uh, developmental season for the better this year, especially we we all know, I know you kind of wanted to talk to this, so I'm going to kind of steal your topic here a little bit, <laughs> but we, we all know that the Bears did not extend Allen Robinson, and we can talk about whether that's right or wrong in a second, but if Allen Robinson is not on this team, by all means, Darnell Mooney has to step into that one role, even if it's as a bridge, you know, not this year, but next year. And for him to do that, he's got to have a successful season this year. Obviously, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, whoever's in the backfield, is going to be much more successful at throwing the deep ball to Mooney than Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles <laughs> ever were. You ain't lying. So I think – and that's another kind of interesting point when we're talking about A-Rob here. Is it possible that A-Rob has a phenomenal season with, obviously, we're going to see Justin Fields on the field at some point, and we're going to talk about when that is. But even with Andy Dalton, some would argue that Andy Dalton's probably going to be the best quarterback that Allen Robinson's ever played with in his career. Yeah. And Andy Dalton's not an all-star. I'm I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan. You know that. But realistically, when it when you look at the guys that Allen Robinson's had throw him the ball, especially as of late, hey, Andy Dalton might be that guy that can put him at 1,400 yards a season. I'm not saying he's going to, because I don't I think it'll be split, obviously, between Dalton and Fields, no matter what the timing is. But realistically, I think that. Allen Robinson could almost have a career numbers year, and then the ball's kind of in the Bears' court. Do you pay him the twenty to twenty-two million, whatever it was that he thinks he's worth? Which, in my opinion, is too much for any wide receiver, just because there's so much depth out there. And I get it; he is a true number one. He's arguably a top five receiver, but there's four guys in front of him. 
and there's four guys behind him that would probably give you the same amount of production, possibly for less than 20 to 22 million a year. That's a hefty asking price for anybody. But with that being said, I think that Darnell Mooney has to take that next step and show exactly what he is so the Bears know what direction they're going to move. This team is building around speed. It's no secret. You've got Demir Bird. You've got Marquise Goodwin. You now have Daz Newsome, who unfortunately was injured in rookie camp, but sounds He'll like he'll be back in time for sounds for, like he's going to be back in time to get some yeah. reps in the preseason. So yeah, no good. real big concern there. I mean, you've built you've got Tariq Cohen back, Mr. East West. Love him or hate him. He's good for a screen. He's and obviously Matt Nagy loves screens and fucking jet sweeps. He's like a gadget guy. He's at a this gadget. Point. He's gadget slot. That's really all I see him being in this. I, I agree. But the, the problem really outside of Darnell Mooney is you've got a bunch of guys that are slot speed guys. You don't really have another big option. Anthony Miller's never going to be a number one receiver. Javon Wims is never going to be a number one receiver. I thought maybe Riley Ridley had what it took at one point. I don't know if it's, you know, an internal issue between him and the coaching staff is why he hasn't seen the field. I heard that a lot last year. But again, if you can't beat out Javon Wims for a spot, there's something going on on the practice field. Javon Wims should not be on this team. And now I'm segueing because I absolutely despise <laughs> Javon Wims. So and let's let's break down <laughs> everything you just said because you said yes, a whole lot. Yes, I did. So let's start. Let's start with the fact that you said that Andy Dalton could take Allen Robinson up to another level, right? Okay. So if you look at where he was last year, whenever he was on the Cowboys, you know, I think he came in what week three, right? Three or four. Yeah. Three or four, right? Okay. And with Andy Dalton, Amari Cooper ended up with 1,114 yards and yes. 90, 92 receptions. C.D. Lamb almost had 1,000 yards. Right. You know, there were some other guys like, I think like Gallup had like eight, eight or 900 yards. Like, so yes. they definitely had a good passing year. Yeah. I think, I think Andy Dalton can do that. You know, it's just that can Andy Dalton do that on a consistent basis? And the answer to that question is no, because he never has been able to do that. He's always kind of had that guy even. He's had, you know, A.J. AJ Green. Green. He's he's had these great wide receivers, and, you know, he might put up 4,000 yards, but uh, but he's not going to be the, the reason that this team wins a Super Bowl. He never will be. No, and, he's a game manager at best. Yeah. We, and we all well, know Well, no, I, I mean, he might be a little bit more than that, but he's not he's not that elite level. I put him in, in that three tier, maybe if he's having a good year, maybe top two tier. And that's with like five or six guys in each tier. Okay. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him up, you know, in that second tier unless he's really unless he's really hot. But he can throw the deep ball better than anyone we've had. Yes. And other a long than time. the guy behind him. Which everybody wants to see, who runs a four four forty, yes, and and seems like he wants to take over the world right now. I actually Absolutely. heard the other day that he came out and he's demanding 
perfection in practice, even from coaches. He wants coaches to come out and do their best and bring their best. He's already doing that as a rookie. Awesome. So that's, that's great to hear. That's a great sign going forward. You know, th- that whole stigma that that made me think all of that time ago that he, he was going to drop, which I said on our draft show, I thought he was going to drop without him being traded. But I always thought he was going to drop because of those rumors that come out. He's proving everybody wrong. He's proving the doubters wrong. But anyway, I digress. Exactly. I like talking about him a lot. So I could definitely see this going the right way for us with Andy Dalton and Allen Robinson. But also, like you said, you know, there's there's other guys in this offense now. They can share the wealth. I still think yes. Allen Robinson, it will always be that go-to guy because he's just on another level, honestly, compared to these guys. That's why I, that's why I also have Cole Komet at the top of my list because I think in that type of offense, you're going to have Cole Komet come out and main tight end, you know, like a Travis Kelsey type. Not as good, obviously, but right. that's the kind of guy they're going to hope he can be. And if he can be that guy, then watch out because then that's a whole lot of speed. So absolutely, when I say speed, we're going to get to Riley Ridley because that's why Riley Ridley's not going to make this team because Nagy wants speed. Nagy's come out and said he wants us to be the fastest practicing team in the league. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have the speed for the NFL or for what he wants, at least. He could probably make it somewhere else, I'm sure. But with this right. offense, I, I just don't see Riley Ridley being a part of it. Just for, for that sheer fact that it's 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 year three now, and you still barely see the guy in the field. And from from all accounts, I hear he's one of the best route runners, but he's not fast enough. And that's the problem. Okay. And so. I, I definitely could see that, you know, obviously you look at, Kansas City, what's yeah. the one thing that you think, obviously, besides Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, is a little guy named Tyreek Hill, who's absolutely the most electric, quickest receiver. And Nagy loves guys like that. That's yeah. why why he brought guys like Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin into this team. They're, none of them are as quick as Tyreek Hill, but they're quick guys. They're speedy slot players that, you know, can break out for that 10 to 15 yard pass, get the ball and run in stride. Yeah. And that's what Nagy wants to do. We've just, we've also never had a, I shouldn't say never in the Matt Nagy era, at least <laughs> we've never had a quarterback that could look beyond his first read in the backfield. True. And we know Andy Dalton can do that. Yeah. Andy Dalton can hit his second or third read consistently. And it's something to be excited about. I know you had one question for me, but before we get into that, I do have one quick one for you. You mentioned the tight end. Simple okay. yes or no, is Jimmy Graham on this team at the start of the season? Yes, 110% yes. I, do, you, I, do you want to know why? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because in this system, you're going to need that extra tight end. You're – you know, he's going to run some of those sets with both of them in. He needs a good, reliable pass-catching tight end on both sides of the ball so he can run that offense efficiently the way he wants it. Jimmy Graham is still a massive red zone target. That he this, is. this team is basically set in stone now. 
other than the cuts they're going to make, this team is basically set. I don't see any more moves coming. I don't see anybody, you know, surprise ads unless there's a massive, 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 you know, um, high-end player that can maybe become available, which I don't see happening anyway, because even if that does happen, I believe if you cut Jimmy Graham, you're not going to have enough money really to do any major damage. So in, in my opinion, yes, he will be on this team 110%. So you don't want to trust Jesper Horstead and JP Holtz out there. I do not want JP Holtz. I'm just kidding. Go anywhere near the field. I've seen enough of both of those clouds, but uh, real quick, as you said, the tight end position, you do need two in this offense. You need that blocking guy as well as Jimmy Graham is still a solid red zone target. I, I definitely like what Jimmy Graham brought to this team last year. I'm interested to see what Komet does. I know you said you, you know, he's kind of a guy to watch for you. I really do hope that he makes the sleep in year two. After all, we did go after him early in the draft. Uh, obviously not this past draft, but the year before. And he didn't really get to see as much playing time as I would have liked for one reason or another last season. I shouldn't say playing time, targets really. He didn't get a lot of targets last year. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a guy like Andy Dalton and or Mr. Justin Fields. I think you had a Justin Fields question for me, did you? I've had a couple. I have a couple questions for you now. Okay, so my first question for for you would probably be, um, you said about the offensive line, right? Yes. Um, and you brought up Tevin Jenkins. So you do you have Tevin Jenkins playing left tackle, correct? Correct. Okay, that's a position he's never played before. You know that, right? I, I do know that. Okay, so who do you think starts at right tackle then? Because I've actually got Jermaine Fetty right now, and I, I've got I've got Larry Borum behind him. So is that what you I, have as well, or that that is what I have as well at this okay. point in time? Uh, Juan Castillo has came out and said that he thinks Jermaine Fetty could have a Pro Bowl caliber season this coming year. Yeah, so. That's huge. You know, Coach Castillo's been known for his ability to develop guys on the offensive line. So maybe going into this season, he's seeing something in Jermaine Afedi that believes he can take him to the next level. If it doesn't work out with Afedi, I think Borum with a little bit of practice, a little bit of grit, I think he'll probably take that next step and be a guy that could be a starting caliber player for sure. It's just a matter of where because he's kind of at that awkward size where he's big enough to be a tackle, but he's also got kind of smaller arms, so it makes pushing out on some of those plays where you need a chip block or things like that a little bit more difficult for him. And he's tended to struggle a little bit in the pass block, I believe. He's more efficient in run blocking, kind of for that reason that I just alluded to. But, yes, I do. I am aware that Tevin Jenkins has never played left tackle before. Okay. And that, that is something that I don't want to say concerns me, but it is something to watch because some guys, when they make that transition, it is a little bit more of a rough transition than it is for others. So it, and that's, in my opinion, that's 
one of the most important positions in football. You know, oh, you're, blocking, you're blocking the blind side. You have to be able to do it consistently. We had a guy that, you know, flopped like a walrus 90% of the time <laughs> over there on the left-hand side of the field uh, in Charles Leno last year. And don't get me wrong, as, as mediocre as Charles Leno's play was there towards the end, for, you know, a guy that was, what, a seventh-round pick, we got seven years out of him here in Chicago. We more we more than got that guy's worth out of him here for this team. Well, but with that being said, I mean, you look at a guy like Tevin Jenkins and how explosive he was at OSU, how hungry he is. And, you know, he, he said he was honored to come here to the Bears, that, you know, he knows a lot of the rich history here for the organization and – he wants to be a part of making this team a winning franchise. And I think that speaks volumes. The kid's just a mauler, man. I mean, that's we said it on the draft show. We thought that's who the Bears were going to go after in the first round. We were able to trade up, get Justin Fields, and then trade back up in the second to get Tevin Jenkins. So you got what you wanted, what you thought every what everyone like thought. Like a Madden draft. The first round in the second, and you managed to sneak up and take. I don't. I'm just gonna say it. You managed to sneak up and take the savior of this franchise in Justin Fields. Oh, okay, okay. You've already. And you've already. You've already he done that. Taken a snap. You're already, you're already putting him there now, Tarbell. Already. He, he has not even taken a snap, and the only quarterback oh. that he's even going to be. Uh, I I digress. Jay Cutler I know was why. Great. I'm not I know why. Cutler, I know but. why. I know why you feel that way, though. Because that visor is fire. But what if we <laughs> had to look at it? The quarterback position: Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel. Yeah. yeah. All these bums, other than well, Cutler. A lot of people hate on Cutler. I'm not going to do that. I think. You know, Jay Cutler. He's a hard one for me. He is. When he was on, he was on. He I loved had, him for so long. And he had a hell of a cannon of an arm, but his attitude sucked. He also yeah. came out and said that the city of Chicago sucked his love for football right out of his soul. So I can believe that, though. You know, we are some, we are some we harsh are the, assholes. We're the I mean, toughest, in my opinion, and maybe it's because we're from here. So I don't think we're, we're the toughest. Biased. We're one of the toughest fan bases. You go listen to Philly oh, fans, and then you come back and talk to me because Philly fans are horrible. That's one of my closest friends is a Philly fan, oh so I do I do understand what you're saying. Oh, there, you know, assholes. <laughs> for the first time in a long time in Justin Fields, we have a reason to be excited for the future. Yeah, absolutely is what I allude to, and I shouldn't say the savior of the franchise because we. We haven't even seen the kid take a snap. We don't know yet. But if if 80% of what we see on tape translates to the NFL, this kid will be a top-tier quarterback that has no problem throwing for 4,000 yards a season yeah. in the future. Yeah, and I want that 20% to be the Indiana game from last year and the Northwestern game from last year. Um, all, besides those two games, every game I watched to him, he was he – was, the reason to watch you know he right. was electrifying i watched that clemson game and i was in awe of how good this kid played even though he was hurt he's he has grit he's got toughness he's got speed he's got everything that we've ever hoped for so oh, yeah. this is a good segue into my second question 
for you. And it is when concrete one day, when will he start? When do you think fields will actually, actually see the field? You know, that's, that's a good question. That's kind of the question all over Chicago media all right now. Asked, is, it's all we've been asking on Bears fans on the brain. Yeah. When, <laughs> when do you think Fields will see the field? Stay tuned for my answer right after this quick video from our sponsor. <laughs> Honey, will you marry me? Yes, yes, yes. Let's, Let's get, get out of here. here. Come to Indiana's premier venue. Come to the farm. Come see all the wildlife. Come to White Oak Farm Venue in Michigan City, Indiana. Come to our 80-acre sanctuary right off I-94 in Michigan City, Indiana. Come see all we have to offer from two brand-new Amish-built barns with climate control. Come see the ponds with beautiful waterfalls, meadows and wildflowers, and so much more. Come see our secluded venue. After you enter our private road, you'll be in your own world away from it all, with outdoor ceremony spaces, wood-fired pizza ovens, and lots of fresh air. Come enjoy Northwest Indiana's premier wedding venue, where you gather with your family and friends. Stretch your legs and enjoy the most memorable day of your life. Visit White Oak Farm Venue at whiteoakfarmvenue.com or on Facebook slash Instagram. There we go, guys. White Oak Farm Venue. If you're interested in getting married or holding a large event, be sure to reach out to them. And if it doesn't work out, call my Bawadi, the best fucking lawyer in town. That's right. If it doesn't work out, call Mark Berardi, the best fucking lawyer in town. Damn right, I would. On, on a serious note, though, Mark and his team are great guys. They're down-to-earth guys just like us. They'll talk straight to you. They're straight shooters, no bullshit. They'll get all of your legal needs taken care of. So if you're if you're in the mood for – I'm sorry. If you need some legal work done, be sure to reach out to Mark Berardi. I don't think anyone's ever in the mood. In the mood. Legal, if you're in the we mood to get divorced – yeah, I mean, but, a lot of people are. <laughs> hey, so, it's a good business to be in. So just before you have that answer, I have an answer to a question earlier. And okay, it's it's a two-parter. It's pretty insane. So I asked Tyler. He says it's plus 100,000 that the chance of them having that baby in the same day. Wow. And he also said that – his baby boy is is seven pounds thirteen ounces and nineteen point five inches long, and Vince's um, is eight pounds and nineteen point five inches off. So they're only three ounces apart in weight and the same size exactly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Let's yeah. get that stat. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be in the millions. Oh, that's a wild ass stat right there. But wow. anyway, but anyway. We need the answer for your question now. When do you think he will start? When do you think Justin Fields actually sees the field? I will tell you this to start. It's not week one. No. I know. Go ahead no. and boo me, Bears fans. Because I'm not getting started, and I agree with you a thousand percent. There's so. a majority of people out there that would love to see Justin Fields hit the field week one. You do, Let me just say this before I say when he does see the field. You do not put that kid out in front of Aaron Donald and one of the toughest defenses in the NFL. You just don't do that. I don't care who you are 
as a Bears fan, what you want to see happen with this team. Justin Fields will get on the field, but week one is not the situation to throw him into when you've got a new offensive line that's going to need a little bit of time to gel. Oh, hey, look, we got a special guest. Yeah, we do. Cat. No, it's a dog, actually. Oh, it's the dog that, now. I didn't, it's not a cat. I didn't, I didn't look. I just assumed it was the cat because you said the cat was always little, following you around. It's but. our little teacup dog. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, she wants to hear the answer, too. So all like, right. she was begging me. So so let as, as I've alluded, it's not going to be week one. I think we are going to see Justin Fields right around the week six mark. Okay. And she's okay with that now. <laughs> I I don't want to specifically say week six because I think week six is against Green Bay. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. So anywhere between anywhere around there, maybe week five. At the earliest, I would say week four. And I think a lot of this is going to be dictated by Andy Dalton's play. Oh, I, absolutely. I yeah. hate to say it, but I don't think it's going to be oh, Justin's ready, no matter how incredible Justin Fields looks, if Andy Dalton is winning games for this team, Justin Fields is going to stay on the sideline because Matt Nagy wants to follow that Kansas City developmental plan. And he's been very steadfast about that, that this is the plan we did with Patrick over in Kansas City. It worked. I get it. It's not comparable situations. You know, Alex Smith was a guy that led the Chiefs to the playoffs two or three out of four seasons before Patrick Mahomes came aboard. Andy Dalton has never won a playoff game, and he's unproven as a bear. But if he does do well, I think if he does well, it's Andy's job to lose. Yeah. And, I think it's Andy's job to lose anyway, honestly. And, and that's the situation that we're in. And it's not a bad situation to be in. You know, those folks that are going to – grime and grumble and say, well, I want to see Justin Fields out there as soon as possible. We have nothing to lose. You do. You have his development to lose. It is key that we develop this kid at the right pace and the right speed. Now, if he comes out and looks phenomenal and he's blowing the doors off of everybody and amazing everyone, great. That's just all the more promise uh, to him coming in, you know, week five, week six, and taking this team over and leading it effectively. But if this team's on a run and they're doing well, if if this team's 5-1 and one going into week six against the Packers, why would you put Justin Fields in that position? Not say, I'm not saying I think we're going to be 5-1 and one going, going, or, well, it would be Well, four. I mean, if you think about it, though, 5-1, and one, you've got the Rams first. I don't think that's a win. You've got the Bengals. That one's kind of, yeah. I think they can squeeze that out. Then you go to yeah. Cleveland and play the Browns. And the, I think the Browns are far better, far better than than they have been in a long time. I think that's a that they are. And then you play the Lions week four. That's so if you think about it, if if you go and you start the season, you know, in that Lions game, you're going in one and three or I'm sorry, one and, two, one and two, you could, you know, and you lose that Lions game, then you're going to start hearing some grumblings. Yes. Um, I've been a big a big proponent of that week four matchup, but the more I think about it and the more I think about Nagy, and the more I think it's going to happen around the bye week. 
which I believe is week, I think it's week 10, if I yes. remember right. Yep, you're correct. I, I'm starting to get that feeling that that buy, and I was on record before saying that if he's not in by week eight, I wouldn't put him in. I still wouldn't, but I don't think Nagy's just going to sit there on a losing season and just let that kid sit on the sidelines. I don't think he's going to do that. Or is that offensive line, you know, good enough for Andy Dalton so he doesn't get murdered? Because like we've said, we got Tevin Jenkins, who's never played left tackle before. And you've got Jermaine Effetti, who, you know, hopefully he takes that next step. But I'm very hesitant in saying that. I mean, I think he's going to be an average middle middle of the road kind of guy. Right. So, you know, those are the factors for this going in. I still think, though, it, if it happens, it should happen around week four-ish, but I don't think <laughs> it's going to happen until week 10 or on the bye week. Okay. And I'm I'm glad to hear your perspective on that because yeah, I changed you know, a little bit on that. But. And and I think we all have. Initially, I actually was kind of of the opinion at first that this season's not going to mean anything. Throw the kid out there week one if he's ready and let him see what happens. But I've I've kind of reverted. I've thought about it a little bit more. And yeah. you know, when it comes to Justin Fields, his development is going to be key. One, to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace keeping their jobs. And two, to this team being successful for a long period of time. We're talking, we finally have a guy that, if he performs well, could be our franchise quarterback for 10 plus years. And when have we ever had that in Chicago? Let me tell you, in in 27 years of me being being alive, the Bears have had 20 plus quarterbacks. I mean, it's... It's almost a joke at this point how many quarterbacks the Bears have recycled through. You and know? none of them have thrown for 4,000 yards. None. Correct. Correct. The closest is Cuddy. It's it's atrocious. We are the charter franchise of the NFL. We deserve to have a franchise quarterback. Well, I, I think the football gods have answered our prayers, Andrew, because – I. I sure just, hope they have. Just like you said, this is all about the hope of our future for this franchise, and it it looks bright. It, I'm just I'm trying not to get, you know, over overly excited about this guy because I've been overly excited in the past, and I've had my heart broken. So I'm yes. trying I'm trying to change routes this time and just kind of relax and let it all play out and not be disappointed because I know this is a process. This is something that, that isn't going to just happen overnight. There's going to be bumps in the road, but at least we have it in place. We've got, we've got him. We've got Mooney. We've got commit. We've got, you know, hopefully Tevin Jenkins is what we think he is. And hopefully Larry Borum, he can take that next step up there too and get on that line and solidify both tackle spots for the next yes. 10 years as well. So that that core right there is what is what I'm looking at this season is the development of that offensive core as a whole. I know what the defense is. I I do think it's going to be a little better under Sean Desai. I think the packages Agreed. are going to be a little different, but for me I've been alive 37 years, and I'm fucking tired of just seeing defense. <laughs> I love that we have a good defense, but 
but I'm tired of not in an offensive league, never having an offensive team. And Understood. In closing for me, that's what I am anticipating the most is the growth of this offense as a whole. And the big question is, can Matt Nagy really orchestrate this offense the way he says he can? Can he develop the quarterback the way he says he can? He's got what he wants now. Now let's see him get it done on the field. Agreed. It's time to put up or shut up for this offense for sure. And hopefully uh, teams will be saying what the late Denny Green said about us. They are who we thought they were. Well, we've always been who everyone's thought we were. A, a great defensive team with no team fucking with offense. Shit offense. Yeah, I'm who tired doesn't ever it. throw the ball? We've always been that. He's never been wrong. Agreed. But in you know the way that we look at it, whenever we say it, and the way that other people that aren't that aren't necessarily Bears fans say it are two completely different things. Yes, I agree. It's time for this team to to turn a new leaf, if you will, and I think that it's finally going to be able to happen for the first time. I don't want to even say for the first time in a long time. For the first time ever, I think we're going to have an offense that can consistently put up 28-plus points on the board, which is what you need to do in the modern NFL to be successful. So with that being said, uh, Alan, I do want to thank you for joining me tonight. want to thank all of those that jumped in the chat for being interactive with us. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Nick and Ivy Brewing, uh, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group, Mark Berardi and Associates, as well as White Oak Farm Venue. Uh, without you guys, none of this is possible. So uh, thank you guys again for jumping in. Uh, appreciate it. Vince should be back with us next week. And we'll be talking, we'll be talking some more here on Turtles Take. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good night and take care. Thank you.